Good day, gorgeous people. Welcome to Insight and Instruction. I am your host, Sherry Fleming. Please excuse my voice. I'm a bit tired. My husband attempted to give me his cooties, and I am yet fighting the good fight. of wellness. Today we are talking about a concept that is near and dear to my heart and that is the concept of legacy. I had the opportunity yesterday to speak with about a hundred women about the concept of legacy and the purpose of estate planning and I thought that now is the perfect time to just stay in that same vein and and discuss what my thoughts are. So I'm going to give you a little truncated version of what, what I discussed yesterday. And so I am always interested in making sure that you have definitions. So let's go ahead and define legacy. Legacy is something that is transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor. Something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor. So basically what a legacy is, is something that's given to you by someone who came before you, or it's your ability to give someone something to someone that is coming after you. And so I believe it's important to define these terms so we can kind of take the sting out of it so we can stop thinking that the word and the term is much bigger (laughs) than what it is. The fact of the matter is that we leave a legacy whether we choose to or not. Um, People will have their perceptions about us. We will transmit who we are. We will transmit our belongings. without regard to whether we plan to do so or not. And so in the concept of estate planning, which is very simply that you are in a current position having sound mind and not, you know, overly emotional. You're in a great position to give direction and share your desires with those who are coming after you to be able to make decisions on your behalf in the event that you're not able to make decisions due to death or incapacity. And so the reason why I say you're leaving a legacy and you're transmitting, um, your possessions or things without regard to planning is because you are. (laughs) If you own things, um, you're no longer going to be around to dictate who they go to if you don't plan in advance. Someone is going to make a decision on your behalf (laughs) to transfer um, your possessions. And so estate planning essentially just leaves you with the control to plan on the forefront. And so what I found um, in my law practice is that a lot of us, um, and when I say us, I'm specifically talking about women and um, I'm talking about people of color. We um, have a lot of difficulty sometimes in recognizing the value of what we may have. And because we don't see the value in it, we don't think to transfer or to transmit anything. Okay, so I wanted to have a discussion um, today about value and about legacy so we can begin to think about things a little bit different. I am not even going to go into the transfer of possessions um, because many people may be listening and I really hope that you're able to seek legal counsel in in your jurisdiction for um, your specific situation. But again, I just want to have a conversation to change your thinking. So outside of a discussion about transferring possessions that can be real or personal property, I want to discuss the 
the importance of transferring information as currency. Uh, women and people of color, uh, specifically, um, I've seen in, in my practice, we struggle <laughs> with planning an estate because we may say, okay, well, I don't have anything, uh, any possessions, any items, any items of value that I feel like I want to transfer to someone else. But we completely miss um, the conversation of, about sharing information, um, particularly health history. If we're talking about doing a living will or an advanced directive, sharing your health history with your family um, is invaluable. It's completely invaluable. What um, illnesses or what um, things did your ancestors uh, have that your children need to know about? You may not have deemed it to be important, but it is important. And so um, one, one critical area that I want us to begin discussing, because even if you're not transferring possessions and you say, you know what, I don't own anything. There is nothing in my possession that I own that I have to transfer to someone else. Okay, sure. You still have um, and you still need someone to understand the type of health care that you currently have and the type of care that you want in the future if you're unable to make um, health care decisions for yourself. And in doing that, you can share with your children, with your heirs, your health history. And if you are biologically related, they, they can know something about theirs. And so health history is one area. I also uh, think that cultural history is extremely important to understand um, value, to transmit value. I, um, and this is personal for me, y'all, I'm going to tell you this right now. (laughs) I have, um, I'm learning the vast history uh, that I have. I am, I've always been blessed and I've known this to acknowledge that history, my history is very present. So on my mother's side, my great grandmother just celebrated her 102nd birthday last month. Um, my grandmother, my maternal, this is my maternal line. They're all living. <laughs> all the all of the women pretty much in my maternal line are living. My great grandmother is living. Her daughter, my grandmother is living. My mother is alive. I'm also fortunate to have extra mothers um, in that of a stepmother and my stepmother's mother and my stepmother's sister. I'm also blessed enough to have my mother-in-law who also has a gang of sisters. (laughs) So I am just completely um, honored and blessed to have such a, a, a pool of diverse experience in womanhood to pull from in my life. Um, But not only the women, um, I also have men that are around me. Unfortunately, I lost my grandfather in um, 2015, but he was very big on transmitting history very big on storytelling, very big on having me and the rest of my family understand why he did things, understanding the purpose behind things. Um, My father is living and has a great grasp on um, our culture from my my paternal side. And then um, I think my father-in-law, it's probably the best person to have entered my life. 
because he is a historian. He loves history. He knows his history. And I feel like every time I sit down with him, I learn something new about my history, my culture, black history in general. And it's just such, such a privilege to sit and to talk with him. And so I've, here are some things that I just found out about me uh, that, and I'm sharing it with you so that if you're in a position for you to go out and sit down with your family to begin to ask the questions, build the value that is in your history and the information that you can transmit to others. And so, um, so here's a little bit, just a little bit <laughs> about my history and my story. My maternal grandfather uh, grew up as a sharecropper in Virginia, and he decided uh, in doing the math, uh, Google sharecropping, what it is. Uh, it is not a, a fun thing. It is the souped up, you semi get paid version of slavery. Um, it, it's not, it should not be glorified. <laughs> it's not anything to glorify. Um, and it's actually a way that uh, people of color basically wasn't we weren't able to um, amass the wealth that we should have because we transitioned from being um, freely in uh, enslaved people who were freed to now people not knowing where to go, um, not giving out 40 acres in a meal and being forced to now work on the land that we once worked and receive menial pay for it. And so that's what sharecropping is. But Google it. And so my grandfather grew up in Virginia as a sharecropper um, and the youngest of nine and decided that that wasn't the life for him. The uh, The money didn't add up. The figures didn't add up. And so he left Virginia and went to New York where he met my grandmother um, and he built an amazing life for my family. He um, essentially was able to move out of the projects, Google with the projects in the Bronx, New York is what they are, what they were. Um, so you can know, <laughs> have context for this story. And he purchased, um, a home, a three-story brownstone for his family that he, um, ended up owning outright. He was able to leverage, uh, during times of struggle and he did, um, and was able to pretty much care for his family, take care of his family. We were not a wealthy, um, in uh, the sense of having a lot of money, I you know I remember very well in a winter time being told to put on my socks and my jacket because the the thermometer was not the temperature was not being turned up at all and so we were going to be cold in that brownstone but it was brownstone that he owned <laughs> and so um, I remember um, not just the sense of community that we had in the brownstone. Um, and it was just, just a wonderful experience growing up that way. But again, he was a sharecropper who built a life for himself, working um, nine to five, being, or really 3 a.m. to 3 p.m., um, being a part of a union, understanding the value of money and having an entrepreneurial spirit in which he had several side businesses. Back in his day, I don't necessarily know that they called them side businesses, but there were a lot of things that he did on the side um, to, to make a little money. Um, and one business he had me assist him with was selling peanuts. We would go to Virginia. We would buy huge, 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 uh, uh, I don't know if they call it 
bushels. I don't, I'm not sure what, how they're counted, but huge bags of peanuts. We would come, bring them to New York, roast them, season them, and put them in fancy bags with our label on them. And we would sell them for a dollar a bag. And actually I would sell them. There weren't, there wasn't a we involved. I was the cute little girl that sold the peanuts for him. And that's really where I got a lot of my business acumen and learning how to deal with people in all situations at a very early age. And so that story, knowing that I know where I get my hustle from. I get my hustle from him day in and day out. He taught me how to count hundreds of dollars in coins because coins were valuable. He took the change out of his pockets every day and, and stored them in jars and we would eventually count them. Um, even now with my daughter, um, my husband and I, whatever, um, however many coins they can count within 30 seconds, they can keep. And it's a way to get them to understand math, and it's a way to get them to understand the value of a coin. We live in a world of dollars and debit cards, not even dollars, but debit cards, and it becomes very easy to not understand the value of, of money. And so he taught me the value of money through counting coins, and that is my legacy, and that is what I share with my children so they understand why mommy works so hard, and they understand why daddy works so, so hard. I don't have a choice. This was what was uh, built up in me. It's not a switch that I can turn off. This is my legacy. Therefore, this is their legacy. Um, so they can take it and run with it. My paternal grandfather, my father's father, I just found out, just found out, just confirmed this week. I am 36 years old. My paternal grandfather, Alfonso Hathaway, passed away when I was about nine months, year, nine months old. So I never got an opportunity to actually meet him. But at 36, I found out that my grandfather was a Tuskegee Airman. My grandfather was an airman during World War II. Uh, and he went to war, not because he wanted to really serve his country, but he went to war because he was given two options, prison or war. And he said, yep, yeah, sign me up. And so he went to war. Um, and again, I don't know a lot of the story, so I can't put vivid detail behind it. But he went to war um, and was signed up to be um, an airman in 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 um, the Air Force. And because there was segregation, he uh, went to Tuskegee. He was a Tuskegee Airman, and I have a picture of him, and he looks exactly like one of my first, well, shall I say my first cousin, who's a female, and, and my aunt looked exactly like him. So I know he's definitely <laughs> family, and it's not made up. But to find out now that he was a Tuskegee Airman changes a lot for me. Um, and, and again, if you don't know, who Tuskegee Airmen were and what they did and what they accomplished in history, you need to go and find out. Go and find out how they served and also go and find out how they were mistreated and um, used as guinea pigs for science experiments. And so it matters to me because if I would have known this at an earlier age, particularly through college and through law school, it would have changed my perception of myself. Um, I was very confident in college. I was a black studies major. And I probably would have, you wouldn't have been able to tell me anything. You would not have been able to humble me. <laughs> so it's probably a good idea that I didn't know. <laughs> you, I would have thought that I was the princess 
of Zamunda, the queen of Wakanda, you, I would have probably thought that I was able to walk on water and fly without wings because that information would have given me such a battery to stand on his shoulders to represent that history, which is great American history, not only black history, great American history. Knowing that through law school would have made me see myself a whole lot uh, uh, different um, or differently. I wasn't, I didn't have a, um, there, there aren't a lot of brown people in law school, um, at least in my school at the time. We had the largest uh, class of people of color uh, over the course of a few years, but it still wasn't a lot of us. I, I guess, let me say this, coming from an HBCU where everyone looks like you uh, to going to um, a law school where not too many people look like you, it was a little bit shocking. And I didn't come from a high school. I went to a very diverse, a very mixed high school. So much so, I just said, I need to be around people that look like me. And I had a, I wanted to go to Hillman and that's what I look for. And that's where I went. Lincoln University was my Hillman. And so again, Google Hillman, Google a different world, find out what these things mean. And so I, um, that transition at first was very difficult for me. Uh, going to Lincoln was very necessary because it gave me the pride um, and the understanding of value that I had. But going into law school, I needed a little bit more understanding. And being able to say in conversation the and articulate what I'm articulating now, the greatness that I come from, um, the, the shoulders that I stand on, being able to even say it to myself would have been such... Um, it would have gave me, given me so much strength to get through some of the hardest times, particularly of that first year of law school. And so again, you can see, I mean, you may be able to feel how just how great this information is. I didn't find, you know, the Tuskegee Airmen part, just found that out last week, <laughs> last week, last week, this week, very soon. You know, I just found that out. Um, and but to be able to to stand on that information and to share that with my children. So when my children are struggling in math, whoa, 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 this is in your DNA. You can do it. You may not think you have it in you, but it's it, it, within you. Wait a minute. You're talking about struggling in school, struggling to get along with people. Ho, ho, ho. Your grand, your great grandfather was a Tuskegee Airman. Let's talk about struggle to get along during segregation. Let's have these conversations. It gives my kids no excuses to be great. Um, another story, my, my grandmother. My grandmother um, was a teenage mother. And so um, during those days, she during those days, as she say, you couldn't go to school pregnant. And so uh, she had to leave school in 11th grade um, and she started her family. Uh, and so she left school and she made things work. My grandmother... If I, if the math is right, and if she's listening to this, I'm listening to this. I know she's going to correct me, but my grandmother had about five kids by the age 25, and that was kind of normal back then. <laughs> that was kind of normal, but I can imagine doing that now. But the story of her resilience, I you, I'm going to talk about my grandmother all the time, so I'm just going to save some stories. The stories of the story of her resilience, the one that rings bells for me, is that my grandmother after. Her children were adults, went back to school to get her GED, 
her general, what is it, general equivalency diploma is what it stands for, the subs, the, the substitute for a, a high school diploma. She went back to get her GED because she wanted to go to college and she wanted to advance herself in the workplace. But most of all, she didn't want to give any of us an excuse as to why we couldn't do what was necessary for us to take the next step. She was not going to be the excuse. And so she had adult children, <laughs> grandchildren, and she went back to school to get her GED. And to me, I, I remember the first time I heard that. And I remember what it did to me. I was very young. She got her GED in 1982. And um, it was I was very young. And I remember saying, Nothing should stop me from doing what it is that I want to do to the point. So I think I kind of perverted the message that at that time I was just like, I'm not having kids because kids get in the way of everything. <laughs> Obviously, that didn't work out that way. But um, that I remember feeling really convicted to 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 work hard and to to do great things. And I can talk about my paternal grandmother. I can talk about I again these stories I have they are my legacy that I share with my children that I'm sharing with you as inspiration. The most important part of my current history is my father-in-law who is an utter and complete blessing to my life. He is um, a master storyteller and I am going to have him on here. I'm, I'm going to bring him in and I'm going to record him just to tell his stories. A master storyteller. He brings you in. You can uh, visualize everything that he says and he is so aware of his history. My father-in-law is a disabled veteran who served in the Navy uh, during a few wars, <laughs> and he's proud of his, his history. Um, he's also well aware of Black history, Black culture, all things Philadelphia, um, and he is such an amazing, an amazing uh, part of my life. And he pretty much, can, he's the one that most recently put the battery in me to find out more stories and to tell the stories um, so that we can continue to share our information. And so I'm not going to tell some of his stories. He's here. And I, I, I just decided that I'm going to allow him to tell his own story. But he, the, in the way that he shares stories with my children, they're simply amazing. It's simply amazing the way that he's able to communicate. And I can see in my children's eyes how those stories make all of the difference for him um, and for them uh, to be in a position to tell his grandchildren you have no choice but to be the best. This is what I experienced. And in that experience, I made it great. You're fortunate. You can make it greater. What I did in 10 years, you should do in five. I've cut down the time for you. I've cut down the di distance. You can stand much taller than what you what what you usually would because you're standing on my shoulders. And so I, I just appreciate appreciate that from him. 
So what's the point of all of this? Why are we doing this? Uh, what What is the point? The point of the, this conversation is for you to begin having ne- necessary and sometimes difficult conversations to share your history, to identify um, your legacy, identify your history, see the value in it. What does it do for you? Even the negative stories have greatness in them. Even the negative stories, I have a lot of negative stories that I'm not going to share unless sharing them is a way to highlight how great um, my my uh, family is and how great the lessons that I learned. If you're not receiving anything positive from the story, I'm not going to share it. But even the negative stories, I can assure you there's positivity in it. There's value in it. And so ultimately, in understanding your legacy, understanding the stories, understanding the information, under having an understanding of the medical health history, you will see value that should be transmitted, um, stories that should be told. Maybe you'll write the book. Maybe you'll create the blog. Maybe you'll begin the podcast. Maybe you'll help someone because there's nothing new under the sun. And if you have an answer, go ahead. You could be somebody's solution. And so um, more than just estate planning, I want us to have the discussions, particularly women, people of color. We um, have, you know, periods in time in history where we weren't valued. And so in that we don't see our stories as valuable. And I want us to change that narrative. So thanks for listening to Insight and Instruction. Let's begin to change the narrative learn the stories, share the stories, transmit the information so that we can be greater in the end. It was great being with you today. I hope that you felt the experience. I felt like I was with you today. Thanks for listening and make sure to subscribe. Have a good day.